Let us pray. Dear God, on this morning, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing to you and would help to shape us more fully into the children of light, the community of light that you intend. And we pray all this through Christ, the light of the world. Amen. My family recently took a hot air balloon from Burden Hand to celebrate our 30th anniversary of marriage. And we rose up into the air right near the family homestead, the longtime homestead of Marcus and Dottie Smucker. And how thrilling it was to rise up in our little wicker basket through the early morning mist, and suddenly in the east to see the golden globe of the rising sun. And the higher that we rose, and you can see this in your bulletin, this was taken in mid-flight, the higher we rose, the more we discovered that our county is not flat. Indeed, 1,000-foot hills rise up in the north and the east. And again, you can see this. This is looking straight east. In the still silence, we floated over Amish farms. We flew west of Phil and Ruth's home. And we landed right near Shirley, Shirley Wenger's Excuse me, Shirley. Yeah, Shirley Wenger's uh, home in New Holland. And you know, before then, I had heard about all these different places in our county Smoke Town, Weaver Town, Stump Town. <laughs> but suddenly, seeing them from high above, I suddenly could see much more fully how our whole county fits together. And dear friends, don't we often feel the same way about our Bible? You know, we hear its many stories. Adam naming, Noah floating, Leah surprising, David dancing, Daniel praying, Jonah wailing, Elizabeth rejoicing, Jesus healing, Paul preaching, and Eutychus snoring and then falling out the window. But we struggle to fit all these stories together, don't we? So, dear friends, let's take a balloon ride together today and view the whole Bible from on high, from above. And let's ask as we move through this story, what is God up to in history? And where is this whole story going? So all aboard, everyone. Our balloon is about to lift off the ground. In the beginning, out of nothingness, 
Out of the vast darkness, our loving Creator speaks. Let there be light. And then later on, the sixth day, God creates human beings and endows them with the precious gift of free will. God refuses to control Adam and Eve like mere puppets. After all, love that is forced is no longer love. Love that is forced, it's no longer love. God deeply loves us and nothing pleases God for us to freely love God in return. But sadly, community and communion soon fall apart in the garden. Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember remember that tree. They rebel from our dependence upon God. Later, Cain murders Abel and asks God, Am I my brother's keeper? That's what all of Europe is asking today. Am I my brother's keeper? Adam or Cain rebels from our dependence upon each other as human beings. And suddenly, east of Eden, the earth is filled with violence and broken relationships. In these primordial stories, creation veers toward the darkness from which it came. Noah sends a flood to cleanse the earth, but preserves a remnant community in Noah and his family. Even amidst God's judgment, God's covenantal love shines in the rainbow. 4,000 years ago, God then calls Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel and Leah. In you, God says to them, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Notice, not just your family, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God is forming a contrast community here. A people whose way of living is just and liberating and sustainable. This distinctive people will not only model God's ways, but make the whole world desire to adopt God's ways for itself. It's meant to be attractive, magnetic, winsome. Again, through this community, our loving Creator is saying, let there be light. Now up in our balloon, we now suddenly see two great mountains looming ahead. God's two supreme acts of redemption rising above the plains before us. The first, the first is the Exodus. Still, 
the pinnacle of faith for our Jewish brothers and sisters. Famine, you see, had caused the Israelites to to migrate into the empire of Egypt, where they are very soon enslaved. But God hears their cry. God always hears the cry of the poor and liberates them from their bondage and guides them through the Red Sea. And then at Mount Sinai, God gives them the Ten Commandments and the Law to show them how to live as a contrast community that is holy and whole compassionate and attractive. Through them, our Creator again proclaims, let there be light. Down below, we suddenly see a great canyon opening before us. The period of the kings. A great Departure, a great departure from God's just and loving purposes. After entering the promised land, the Israelites soon start to clamor for a king. Their imaginations have been taken captive by the surrounding empires. And their ways, their brutal ways of military might economic oppression, and redemptive violence. God yields to their clamoring. Remember, a love that is forced is no longer love. And 3,000 years ago, Saul becomes king, and then many will soon follow him. But through it all, God takes human evil and bends it toward good. That's the whole story of my own life. God taking my brokenness and bending it toward good. We see this happening in the royal line of the monarchy. The line that culminates in Jesus runs right through Solomon. And who is Solomon? The child of David and Bathsheba, P.S. Uriah's wife. And then King Solomon, especially, for all of his great wisdom, turns Israel into a clone of the neighboring empires. He becomes an arms dealer, dealer of horses. He forces his own people into slavery through taxation and builds shrines across the land to other gods. He seals treaties by marrying 700 wives. That's a lot of treaties. And then after Solomon dies, war and violence break out and his kingdom is divided into two. Israel in the north, 
Judah in the south. The earth is again filled with violence. Creation veers back toward the darkness and chaos from which it came. And for the next 400 years, 400 years, notice the patience of God. God sends prophet after prophet after prophet. Elijah, Amos, Isaiah, Micah, Jeremiah, and they all cry out, Stop worshiping your idols! Stop your oppression of the poor! Obey my voice and I will be your God. Come home to me. But the people do not listen. And so finally, 2,700 years ago, the Assyrian Empire invades the northern kingdom of Judah, excuse me, of Israel, and wipes it off the map. Gone forever. A hundred years after that, the Persian Empire comes and hauls Judah, the southern kingdom, into captivity in far away Babylon. But still, but still, prophets like Isaiah, like Ezekiel and Isaiah hold up their flickering candles in the darkness. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. They speak of a remnant community who will someday return to Jerusalem and still be a light to the nations. They speak of a coming prince of peace. Now, dear friends, a great blast from our propane tanks is now needed for our balloon to rise much, much higher because ahead of us now rises a veritable Mount Everest. God now comes embodied in a human being. Jesus. To bring light to those who sit in darkness and finally to guide our feet back into God's ways of peace. Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, of this whole unfolding story, the one who will definitively show us finally who God really is and what God is like, who will show us how to be a contrast community to the brutal Roman Empire around them. And at 30, this carpenter's son travels all across Palestine proclaiming that God's empire of shalom and peace is now at hand. And that admission is open to everyone who turns and follows him.
Jesus creates a new alternative community of disciples. Do you see this pattern again and again? Creating a people. Creating a community. My light alone will go out. But when we bring our lights together, there is the critical mass of light for the world. Jesus creates this new community of disciples to be the light of the world and to attract everyone to God. Let there be light. But Jesus also confounds just about everyone, doesn't he? Including his own family. Everyone expects a conquering king, and he comes as a humble servant. He confronts the powerful and the religious, and then welcomes tax collectors and known sinners. Finally, the imperial and religious powers are so threatened, so threatened by Jesus that they conspire to have him killed, crucified. And as he hangs there dying, the Gospels tell us, darkness again comes over the land. And upon the cross, Jesus freely takes upon himself all the violence, all the sins of the world. The tree back in the garden brought death and separation. But this tree, this tree now brings forgiveness and reconciliation and life from God. And then on the third day, our loving Creator again says, let there be light. God raises Jesus from the grave and defeats all the evil powers of darkness and death. And now we know for all time. And now we know for all time that the darkness can never, ever overcome God's light. Fifty days later, the Holy Spirit falls upon the faithful at Pentecost. We're moving along here, folks. God now expands the covenant community. And the good news now goes global. God does not reject Israel, but the dividing walls are now dismantled and all the gates are are thrown wide open so that all people may now be welcomed into the peaceable kingdom of God. And the church's mission is to invite all to know Jesus and to create attractive communities that showcase God's just and nonviolent and liberating and sustainable ways to the world. And friends, this is where we enter into 
this marvelous story. This is where East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church enters God's great drama. Because we too are called to be children of light. Together, we too are called to let our little lights shine here in Lancaster City. To attract our neighbors through our community meals, through our festivals, through our chestnut housing, through how we live and how we work, to the just and peaceful and compassionate ways of God. Because the ways of the American empire, endless violence, greed, and consumption are destroying our planet. Do you see the stakes? And hasn't the beloved Pope Francis, how about if I say, hasn't our beloved Pope Francis just shown us the great, great attractive power of God's light when we finally let it shine through us? But our balloon ride is not yet finished. Through Jesus, the empire of God has already come. But just read the newspapers. It hasn't come close to all of its fullness. But we believe that all of history is heading toward the day when the reign of God will finally come in all of its fullness and beauty. And on that day, all the nations will gather before our Lord Jesus to give an accounting of how we have lived together. Notice that word. How we have lived together. And how will He judge us, dear friends? It's no secret. He told us. Didn't He? We will be judged by how we treated him in the least of these. The hungry, the immigrants, the sick, and those in prison. And on that day, by God's grace, no one will be lost who can be saved. No one will be lost. Who can be saved? That's good news. And on that day, God's new address will be here on planet earth. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more pain, no more mourning, no more tears. Finally. No sun or moon. For the glory of God will then be our light and the radiance of the Lamb will be our lamp. Amen.